If God has given other people the same gifts as that God gave to us, who am I to think that I could hinder God? Here's the confession. There are some people that I find hard to like. Not that many people, really, because I'm not all that picky. But some people I do find it hard to like. Arrogant people. Bossy people. People who try to fix me. Tempting, though I realize it must be. People who try to fix other people but don't think they themselves need any fixing. I find it hard to like people like that. This is a character flaw on my part. My part, not on their part. And I recognize that. But I also know that while Jesus instructs us and commands us to love everybody, he never says we have to like everybody. Love is something different. Love is an active verb. It's not a state of being, but it's what we do. What we need to do. I can love on you without really liking you, to tell you the truth. I'm speaking in general today. I'm not talking about you because all of you here are super easy to like, as you know. But love is something to do, something that we have to do, whether or not we like the person we're showing some love to. Whether we like that person or not is largely irrelevant. So here's another confession. There are some people, despite the instruction of Jesus, that I find it hard to love. Which brings me to the hot duck. Finding ourselves downtown last Friday near the southern edge of Central Park, Charlene and I decided to set out on a quest for the hot duck. It was a rainy, kind of miserable day. Charlene loves rain. I don't love rain. But there I was, uncharacteristically urging us out into the elements, begging for us to go and try to find the hot duck. Now, Charlene wanted to know, and you might also ask, what's the hot duck? You might ask, what's the hot duck? What is it? I'm so glad you asked. The hot duck. Anybody know the hot duck? Oh, bless you. Some of you are aware of the hot duck. He's a Mandarin duck who waddled into Central Park a while back. He attracted a lot of attention and kind of star status with his brilliant plumage. And then he disappeared. <laughs> Surely knows. But I had heard a rumor that the hot duck was back. And I was determined to see if we could find the hot duck. And we did. We did. There he was, yeah. There he was, right there in the middle of a gaggle of non-hot ducks floating along together in the western edge of the Central Park Pond. I was so excited. There it is! I shouted and I pointed and Charlene said, where? And I said, there! Right there! And she said, 
that's it? <laughs> she was clearly underwhelmed. Now, in the hot duck's defense, did I mention that it was raining that day? The hot duck was not, to tell the truth, looking all that hot in the rain. The grayish light muted the duck's bright rainbow colors. The rain was dripping off the duck, not quite like the proverbial water off a duck's back. And here's the other thing. The hot duck wasn't nice. The hot duck was not a nice duck. He was getting in the way of the other ducks. He was shoving them out of his way. He was splashing them with his wings. Really, he was the most annoying duck you have ever seen. And I have to admit, the longer we watched, the harder it was for me to love the duck. But as we watched, I noticed something. The other ducks stayed with the hot duck. Well, they gave him back as good as they got when they were really provoked, but they hung out with him. They stayed there with him, and he stayed with them, even though most of them were mere mallards. It seemed to me at that moment that God was trying to tell me something. Now, as an epiphany, <laughs> my hot duck experience ranks pretty low compared to, say, Peter's vision of a tablecloth full of clean and unclean animals being lowered from the skies, but still, there was a message there for me with the hot duck. This duck was impossible to like, but maybe possible to love. Peter's vision of God's tablecloth is described by the writer of Acts as an ecstasis, a Greek word that relates to our word ecstasy and ecstatic. It was this ecstatic vision he has and when he's up on the roof in this kind of a trance, hungry, waiting for lunch. <laughs> and he sees this tablecloth coming down from the sky with all kinds of animals, clean and unclean. And the word of God saying they're all clean in my book. It's a moving vision for Peter. It's a world-changing vision for all of us, as Lee was pointing out. You could easily make the case that Peter's vision alters the course of Christianity and therefore alters the course of Western civilization. My experience with the annoying hot duck pales in comparison with Peter's ecstatic vision, but still, it moved me in a way that I'll explain in a moment. Ducks can be difficult, of course. All ducks can be difficult. You remember the duck song? Anybody remember the duck's duck song? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, you know. About a really super annoying, very difficult duck. It goes like this. The duck walked up to the lemonade stand, and he said to the man running the stand, Hey, ba, 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 got any... Grapes, thank you. <laughs> Got any grapes? Despite, this, despite a series of very reasonable responses from an increasingly irritated lemonade purveyor, the duck in the duck song persists in returning day after day after day until finally, in an act of Christ-like kindness, the man takes the duck 
to a nearby grocery store and buys him some grapes, which then the duck does not want. Such an annoying duck. But I know people like that. <laughs> I know people like that. And sometimes I'm like that, looking for what I don't really need, asking for something I probably don't want, and too often getting just what I asked for and then not wanting it after all. I feel like I'm that way in my relationship with God. That's, this is confession number three, just for today. I've been trying to be more disciplined in my prayer life, praying at set times every day. Of course, most of the time I'm praying for you, because it's easier to pray for other people, isn't it, than it is to pray for yourself. It keeps us from dealing with ourselves, I find. It keeps me from dealing with myself. And it goes back to what I said before, about people I don't like, including sometimes myself. One year I was working at camp in the summer, and I had a roommate named Larry, and let's say Larry was more disciplined about prayer than I was, which is to say that he did it. And he had a little book to remind him of who and what to pray for every day. And one day he left it open when he left the room, and I didn't want to pry, but I sort of looked over at it. I told you I'm in a confessing mood today. And there at the top of the page, number one on his prayer list, it said, pray for Kay Carpin's salvation. I was so mad. I was so mad. Who does he think? Who did he think he was to be praying for my salvation? What's he think I needed to be saved for or from? Anyway... I should be praying for him not to be such an arrogant, self-righteous prig, is what I thought. I got over it. (laughs) Really, I did. (laughs) But I just want to say, if most of my praying is about you, mostly because you've asked me to pray, it's not because I think you've got so much that I need to be praying about. But somehow it's easier to know what to pray for for another person than it is to know what to pray for in myself. Cornelius the centurion was different. At first glance at this story from Acts, it would be easy to assume that Cornelius would be a bully, would be arrogant. For sure he was this Roman centurion in command of a hundred Roman legionnaires, Sometimes the New Testament authors suck up to the emperor and make excuses for the empire in ways that would make some of today's evangelical pastors blush. But the author of Acts clearly understand that the Roman legions are not occupying the province of Palestine for the benefit of the Jewish people or anybody else besides the Romans. And so, as a centurion, Cornelius was probably not somebody I'd want to have a beer with, if they had beer back then. Cornelius was probably pretty arrogant. He probably was a bit of a bully. But Cornelius needed help. 
He needed help, and he knew he needed help. And if his dream that he had told him that some marginal, bumbling Jewish ex-fisherman named Peter could help him, could do it for him, so be it. So Cornelius set out to Joppa that day, sending some guys to say, by the way, hey, ba, 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 can you do me a favor? And Peter, guided by the vision of God, understands this request for what it is. The chance to redefine, in a revolutionary way, how we understand community how we understand family, how we understand our common humanity, how we understand who is in and who is out of that human family. Because as Peter quickly comes to understand, in God's eyes, everybody's in and nobody's out. Which brings me back to my hot duck epiphany. There are people in my life who upset me a lot. There are people who push other people around. There are people whose peculiar mix of arrogance and ignorance drives me crazy. Whether they might be my relatives or my clergy colleagues or some, not right here clergy colleagues. I'm talking about those other clergy colleagues. Should have edited that one. Or some random person on the street or some random person on the subway or the president of the United States. And I'm probably not going to fix all those people. Amen? It's probably not my job to fix all those people. But I can and I do pray for those people. But I'd better pray for myself as well. Because that hot duck showed me that there are arrogant and ignorant things that I do and that I am that ought to be as troubling to me as they are to God. I don't mean to give to those ignorant, arrogant people. I don't mean to give in to those ignorant and arrogant people. And it doesn't mean I need to approve of how they are or put up with what they do. But here's what I can't do. I can't pretend that they are not part of the human flock. That we, ignorant and arrogant people, are not part of the human flock. I can't imagine that they're not somehow reflective of the image of God. I can't believe that they're not people whom Jesus willingly died for. I don't need to like them, but I can't demonize them either. It's too easy. It lets them off the hook, and it lets me off the hook instead of doing what Jesus would do. Love them. Pray for them. And recognize the ignorant and arrogant parts of me. Will you pray with me? And while you're at it, will you pray for me? God, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Each of us has a ignorant and arrogant part of ourselves that keeps us from relating in a loving way to others of your children. Forgive us that. Move us to be more than that. Help us to inhabit your love and reflect your image as we share your common tablecloth with all of humanity. Amen. Amen.